Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk, Thomas and Guy from Daft Punk. There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Guy Manuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk! Let's get back to the to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk. Daft Punk. Daft Pumpkin! Daft Pumpkin! Welcome, robots, big and small, from around the world to a live 2021, a Daft Punk podcast. I am Andy. I'm Darren. And I've always been Devin, and I always will be. And I, and we have always been and always will be from Detroit, Michigan, and our favorite thing in the world. Favorite thing. I think it's safe to say. I, we've debated it if favorite thing is okay, but yeah. I think it, it I is. I actually have two favorite things. Oh, yeah? What Before we get to what our favorite thing collective is, what is your other favorite thing? Oh, Giman is the second. <laughs> <laughs> Devin's second favorite thing in the world is Giman. Our favorite thing together is just chatting about those two French robots two that you, you might know them as Daft Punk. Daft I thought it was Tomas. Tomas. <laughs> so you're two, I like them both Your two equally. favorite things I'm are... I'm just kidding. Your, favorite things are, your two favorite things are, are, are Tomas and Giman, right? Yeah. So collectively, it's it's still... It's Daft Punk. It's Daft Oh, because oh, they're in a, they're yeah, band? They're, yeah, 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 okay, okay. All right, all right. It's fair. That's they, fair. What they were in a band together. Don't. Okay. We're not here to get sad. We're not here to get sad. We can't do this on air. No. We, we do this afterwards. Yeah, we cry. Every episode cry. afterwards. After we, every episode. We console each other. After uh, every episode, we just cry for 20 minutes. Yeah. Uh, um, we have to. Racked by the, the depression of the fact that these two guys – have parted ways but you know what though i think it's important to try to find the silver lining and everything and, and i'm the gold, lining. And the gold and the lining and, and, the, we're not, and <laughs> honestly i'll take a bronze lining every yeah. once in a we while cannot, too. we cannot play favorites no. <laughs> we, we we there's the domas lining and there's the, the silver lining, lining and there's the gold lining obviously <laughs> we cannot pay, play favorites um but uh but yeah we are three best friends from detroit we love dance music and specifically, Daft Punk has shaped our appreciation and understanding for this uh, weird and wild world that we have uh, tumbled down into. It, I, honestly, it's remarkable to think about the microscopic level that we discuss Daft Punk. You guys think we get really, really into it on air? You should hear us talk about Daft Punk not on air. It's it's some of the most banana stuff Honestly, I've ever heard. There we're we're starting to grow a fan base. We are. And it's not it is at this point it is not out of the realm of possibility that at some point we do a live version of this show and people can hear us talk I really about hope it. so. Yeah. I really hope so. Um, so if you're enjoying the show, tell your friends, uh, um, uh, because we're going to keep talking about Daft Punk. Uh, we would have to call it Alive Today. Alive, Alive 2021. <laughs> <laughs> alive 2021. Alive. Alive 2021. Alive. Alive. But um, um, several people out there, uh, uh, we're, we're, we're so excited every time somebody out there uh, reaches out to us. Um, we've gotten some amazing feedback from literally all over the world, all over. uh, um, and including a musician from Ireland reached out this week. Uh, Jack Ward, uh, reached out and he wanted, uh, to let us know that he's been listening to the show and he's a big fan. 
he says he's been playing. Uh, I've been playing the podcast all weekend after randomly stumbling across it. I'm in a, in awe of the level of detail that goes into the whole project. It's nothing short of amazing. Uh, um, he says we educated him so vividly about his idols and the three of us. We've provided some chuckles along the way. Oh, buddy. <laughs> and that is one of my favorite things. Yeah, providing Doing chuckles and uh, if, if we could just give the world information about Daft Punk and chuckles, I think we could be pretty happy yeah. with ourselves as, yeah. as, as a group of people. And uh, um, yeah, absolutely. And I'm super excited to hear from somebody like Jack uh, who uh, let us know he had he had uh, a song on a 10 year anniversary uh, of Dirty Bird. They, they did a yeah. 10 year anniversary compilation of dirty bird we're gonna stay tuned till the very end of this episode because you will hear a clip of that oh, song. You will. You will. Uh, but for right now uh I, I wanted to to move on to jack the rest of jack's email he says lately with lockdown i've spent countless hours with daft punk's music with the relay releases music sounds better with you the videos uh he says it um uh, that uh, his version of homework has been listening to Daft Punk stuff, yeah, uh, uh, which is quite funny. Uh, and and he says that it has influenced his sound uh, as he has been creating stuff over the last year, which is very cool. He says he's currently spending time making club focused beats with pop undertone uh, that's never been shy uh, uh, that's never sh- shy of an earworm melody. Uh, and he shared two tracks with us. So this one he put out in September 2020. Uh, it's a it's a release uh, of a Dublin label uh, for Patuni. I'm sorry, uh, I might have what uh, uh, for Massey. We're gonna put links to all this stuff uh, up on our social media so you can find it. This song though, he says it's experimenting with repetition. Uh, um, he made it while he was listening to Discovery. And this one's called Paul Mall. Jack! I'm here for that. I am here for it. And also, Paul Mall was my brand for six years. So, shout it out. There you go. Paul Mall Menthol Uh, 100. So, um, uh, Massey is a a fund uh, or a charity called uh, Standing for Movement of Asylum Seekers in Ireland. So, uh, um, Jack uh, donated this track to a compilation with all proceeds going to help and the inhumane district provision system in Ireland. So not only is Jack a groover, not only does Jack love the show, but Jack is a good fucking person How too. One of us. He's one of us. You're one of us, Jack. We're Jack, you are officially you. one of us. Uh, um, yeah, uh, and he said his newest single, it's called My Angel Rocks Forth and Back, and it's uh, it's named after Fortet's My Angel Rocks Back and Forth. Um this came out on his own imprint. He says it's strong stardust influence uh, with attention to pop structure and earworm melodies hidden inside. We're going to play a, 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 a clip from this one, too. This is My Angel Rocks, Fourth and Back from Jack Ward.
Yeah, Jack. That rocks, man. That bass line really. Yeah, I was about to say that exact same thing. That bass. uh, I'm here for that bass. Rolling around. That rules. Yeah, I love that. We've been talking a lot uh, about the construction of this music lately, the three of us, and those like those uh, nice, smooth, light um, uh, vocal samples on top really start to roll in, into something that's really pretty yeah. so jack you're you're um you're up there buddy that's awesome that hell yeah jack thank you so much for being in front of the show yeah. yeah and um yeah uh if you are out there and you're making music uh or you have some sort of story to tell about daft punk or you just want to reach out and let us know that you're enjoying the show uh we can be found at um, at the email address info at alive2021.com. Send anything that you're working on, or um, if you've got Daft Punk fan art, we'd love to see it. Anything at all, uh, and we'll share it on the show. We love hearing from people. Uh, we've heard from Ireland. We've heard from the UK. We've heard from France. Yeah. We've heard from the Philippines. Philippines. We've heard from uh, all sorts of places in America. Uh, Canada. And it, in Canada, and it's, it's awesome. Canada. Um, we're it's incredible that. Um, like two months ago, we were sat sitting around three friends, sad about the the end of Daft Punk, and uh, randomly said, "You know, what, what if we talked about them on air? Because we talk about them enough off air." And now there's a bunch of people around the world listening to us talk about our favorite band and, and participating and participating. Yeah, it's so exciting. It's very exciting. Um, and we we're really happy to. Spread some joy uh, around the world, uh, around the world, around the world, around the world. Around the world. Speaking of people yeah. who have, uh, that we've gotten in contact with since the beginning of the show. Oh, buddy. Um, we talked to the managing director of MixMag, Nick Stevenson. Yeah. We, what a treat that I, was. MixMag has just been just such a resource for me for yeah. so many years you know the the mix mag cover mixes like my Jane cole's mix mag cover mix yeah uh some of the, the carl cox the radio slave like these albums this publication has just been so important to me over the years in terms of like my relationship to dance music and having a place where i can go to hear people talk about it and discuss it and, my- and really comb over it in the way that we do now my wife my wife uh is not so much of a, a dance music fan um and i was trying to explain to her how how cool it was that we talked to to one of the people that run mix bag and i was like it's like it's like rolling stone music it's like rolling stone magazine for dance music and she was like what it's like yeah it's like like this global like this global brand that has pushed the this culture forward in such an awesome way uh, um, and we got to chat with Nick Stevenson, the managing director of the what thing, an for almost a, like for like an hour and a half. What an incredible treat, Nick! You'll 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 hear it in the interview. It, he was so kind and so generous. We did uh, we did a good job. We did a good job. The three of us. Uh, we uh, did a acting, good job <laughs> acting professional. We did a good job acting professional. Yeah, we did. And and not not um, not. I feel like we we didn't like nerd barf all over him. Yeah, yeah. I I I I was not too effusive, and that was on purpose because I nothing's worse than uh, you're excited to talk to someone and then you talk over them the whole time. So <laughs> I know I've done it in the past, and I didn't do it this time. And but just what a treat, man! That that I'm 
I was very excited about that, and I'm I'm very excited that we're sharing yeah. this out. So uh, if you are out there, um, and we are helping you discover dance music, the the best thing you can do for yourself at this point is go to your favorite social media and search out Mixmag. They've got a great Twitter, a great Instagram, uh, a Facebook. All all uh, you can find links to their stuff. Like Devin said. Um, uh, they compile a playlist and they, they uh, have people do do mixes and things. They they write really intelligently about this art form. Uh, the the last thing I uh, I read on their site since uh, since uh, between now and the, when we talked to Nick, um, they did. I believe it was the top the top 17 female DJs in Africa right now. And yeah. I, 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 I found some really awesome music that I never would have found otherwise because they took the, the time to put in the work and, and help discover some of these uh, these musicians in Africa and and um, and amplify their music. So uh, I, I am a huge fan of what they do and I find out so much cool things from from reading their magazine. So please check them out. They recently did uh, a bicep cover feature and cover mix that's incredible. And also maybe tangentially related to dance music, they recently did a uh, cover feature and uh, like a mixtape from Freddie Gibbs, who is from Gary, Indiana, just a couple hours from us. He's a Midwestern. Michael Jackson's hometown. It is Michael Jackson's hometown. Um, Freddie Gibbs is one of my favorite rappers. He's a Midwest guy, and I he, I met him at a couple shows. He's been incredibly cool, and it was very exciting to see him in one of my favorite dance publications. That really rocked. That's awesome. That, yeah. that was really special to me. The website is mixmag.net. Um, you can check them out there. Um, so, we're yeah, uh, if you haven't. Uh, realize that by now we are taking uh, a week break from our regularly scheduled programming uh, to share with you our interview with Nick Stevenson of MixMag. Um, and you'll hear the whole thing. Uh, we talked about uh, him, his life in England and how he got into dance music, how he decided to pursue it as a journalistic career. And then for a good hour and 10 minutes, we talk about Daft Punk uh, in all sorts of different aspects uh, um, of their career. Uh, Nick it was an incredible uh, person to talk to. He's he's had uh, he's written about the band before. He's he's got some really fun stories um, uh, uh, about them and about the music culture at large uh, over a twenty year career in, in this industry. So uh, we are incredibly proud and excited to share this interview with you. This is. This is like one of the coolest things we've got to do. We got, we got to talk to ever. one of the first people to hear Random Access Memories. Yeah. He, what an incredible thing. Yeah, we will hear that story. He's one of the first people. He he is quoted. His review is quoted on the Random Access Memories Wikipedia page. Um, so that's <laughs> – we got yeah. to talk to him about yeah. that. Um, so, uh, yes, please enjoy our interview with Nick Stevenson of Mix Mag. Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. Thank you so much for having me on the show and being a guest. As I was just saying um, off air, as it were, I really hope I don't ruin the format of the show because you guys are doing such a great job um, with the Daft Punk. Every single element of their history is, is, is told beautifully and 
in a way that is entertaining and you know it, i'm learning stuff from you every week as well so it's a real a real pleasure and a real honor to be on the show that means so much coming from someone who works with at mixed bag where it's like there there weren't very many publications putting these guys on their cover before the helmets and stuff so seeing like them in snm masks in 1997 on a mixed bag cover is always very funny to me um so yeah thank you that that means a lot but um uh i just wanted to ask like for you were you were you a huge dance music fan before you got involved with mixmag how did you how did you discover this world well in in the uk i suppose pre edm uh the entry point the kind of lowest common denominator entry point for a lot of kids my generation was probably hardcore which in you know there'd be like happy hardcore or raves where you'd go to and it would be um english djs playing very fast uh very um accessible dance music and you'd be sharing those cassettes around school before you could go to rave so this is when we were kind of 14 15 riding around on bikes listening to happy hardcore um which hasn't aged too well um but <laughs> just as edm won't either it's 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 a good entry point for people that it gets people into the music and then you go to these raves and you go to these parties and then you discover, oh, this is drum and bass and oh, this is trance and then this is house and then this is garage. And it, it, that was the entry point for, for me and my friends um, at a young age. So we, we were just of the generation that missed the kind of first wave of Daft Punk um, as, as DJs. Um, but obviously we were listening to homework and, and then by the time Discovery came out, that's when we were kind of old enough to start going to clubs. So it was, I guess it's, every generation or every age group's got a different entry point of when they kind of discovered Daft Punk, but also for, for dance music itself as well. So yeah, for me, it's, it's been a, a lifelong journey, but yeah, it's uh, probably since the age of about 13 or 14 and um, making fake IDs and sneaking into clubs and organizing coach trips to different raves and clubs around the UK. Hell and then, yeah. Or, and then obviously it's a, it's a, a short skip and a jump to Ibiza from the UK as well. We're quite lucky here. So yeah, you've yeah. got kind of two, well, and if you include Berlin as well, Berlin, London, Ibiza, a kind of axis of dance music is all kind of two hours away for us. So it's, that... it's kind of ingrained in UK culture really to be, um, to be into dance music, I suppose. We've talked about that. I, none of us have ever been to Ibiza. That's like a Mecca, a dick, a dream vacation. I we're now that we're, uh, we're doing this and our buddy Darren here, has has not been a dance music fan uh, in his life. But over the last year, we've been working on stuff and getting closer. Um, we run a theater together. And, and since we've been shut down, we're we're hanging out more and discovering, like learning more about each other. And we have we have corrupted this guy's brain <laughs> over the last year. Well, it's very funny because like it, it was like I mean, you 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 said uh, before you're catching up on some episodes and stuff. And it's funny how the the amount that we talk about Daft Punk before we were even doing this podcast, it's it's just it's become such a um, such a, a sticking point, a bonding point for our friendships, and it's very interesting to see like um, you, you know to to see uh, the the multiple levels, uh, and I think that that serves uh, you know kind of the the thorough approach we're taking here because I'm starting from uh, from kind of a, a at a, a granular level or whatever, I'm starting from kind of a blank canvas. Whereas Andy, uh, you know, this guy's been doing this forever, and then Devin's in the the the, the yeah the, this this the one's weird been, world. <laughs> this has been a fun thing for me too because I've I've always loved dance music, and Detroit has such a rich techno culture. But I hadn't 
revisited Daft Punk in the last few years. I, I hadn't spent as much time with, uh, you know, some of the stuff later in their career. So it's been incredible just really digging back into these things that yeah. I, you know, haven't gone to in a while. It is refreshing to hear from you too, somebody that works in this industry, like the stuff that I grew up on probably didn't age that well. There's, there's something fun and welcoming about dance music fans. Cause we're all like, we know to a lot of people, this is garbage, but I love it. <laughs> well, we touch on, we touch on it too. We touch, we touched on this early on. One of, one of your early thesis is I think it was in the first, the opening thesis for the whole podcast. I, I think that you, you mentioned like Daft Punk found a way to take this almost disposable type of, of music and, and give it some some staying power, some timelessness, which I think we, we've talked about it before a lot. And I'm sure we'll talk about it again. Um, that's one of the, the amazing things that Daft Punk was able to do that really it's 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 difficult to find um musical artists in any genre that that you know we've seen the dance go in and out of of every genre and you know you know notably like pop music now is is like has such a a backbone in dance music and, and again like i would say we see evidence all the time of of that staying power starting with a lot of daft punk stuff yeah and it, what I think you've touched on quite a lot as well, and it can't be it can't be unsaid enough, really, which is just the the fact that this amount of uh, artistic and structural and cultural heritage of someone that's been able to move it on so much, they did it at such a young age. It's it's yeah. unbelievable that you know they were twenty and twenty one and something. They were you know they were sort of nodding to the past of dance music while writing the future of it. And what what was I doing when I was twenty one? I was sort of yeah. riding the moped, sort of being an idiot. Like you know, this is this is such an incredible uh, cultural phenomenon to live through and to be to be able to experience as it was happening live as well. You know, there's 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 touch points in music where you know we weren't around for when the Beatles changed pop music or when the Rolling Stones changed rock or you know this. But for us, this is that. This is that kind yeah. of I think in in our terms like. Our kids will look back and go, oh, daddy, did you ever go to see Daft Punk? It's like, well, actually, yeah, I did, son. And it's kind of that kind of, you know, this is our our moment where we had this kind of renaissance of a change in how culture was created and artistically displayed and the business behind it changed as well. So that so much has happened in the short space of time that they've been the defining people behind and having these great teams and these great people collaborate collaborators around them um it's it's just been an absolute joy to be to be able to watch it and observe it and, and write about it as well absolutely um so you you mentioned before we started recording that you went to journalism school were you always interested in in covering this this world as a journalist like how did you how did you decide to make this like a career well, the, the, it was it was solely down to the fact that I was enjoying going to parties and clubs and nightclubs and thinking, well, what's how can you carry on doing this? Am I going to become a DJ? Probably not. Am I going to become a robot? No, that hasn't really. That's not that's not <laughs> a career path yet. They haven't done that yet. But it was for me. It was always reading Mixmag growing up and knowing that there's this this incredible entity, this amazing brand that kind of opens the world of dance music and and says it in a way that's not just about saying what's going on, but doing it in a fun way and a way that celebrates the, the the scene and it talks passionately about it and is is funny a lot like your podcast guys. It's you know it's yeah. all the, all the elements of what you do, which is it's it's not standing by the side and sneering and saying oh you know it's not as good as it used to be or um, you know 
this this isn't that good this isn't cool it's saying that these are the great things to do these are the great music to listen to have you heard this album have you heard this remix like even listen to your show i've been like oh i don't know if i heard that thomas bang out i'm gonna go back and check that out again so it's about mix mag's always been about that as well it's about celebrating that culture and and giving people the ability to find that music and and learn about it and be passionate about it so that for me was like well if i'm if i'm gonna get a job in dance music maybe i could work for mix mag and that was just always my ambition and maybe i maybe i aim too low because i have kind of got the job and um i've i've been there for 19 years so it's 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 a fantastic wow. place to be and a fantastic place to work and it's such a great brand um because we're doing exactly what you guys do which is promoting the best of what's gone on and 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 giving people that information they need to go on to have the best weekends and the best nights and the best holidays they can have that is so cool you like you grew up as a fan of that entity and then got to to work in in it that that's awesome that's very cool i it's 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 we we touch on it a lot here too like like me newer into dance music right you know i really didn't get into into dance music until really you know the last last year and a half two years is when i really dove in with you guys maybe even less you know but um what has been astounding to me um you know i i've 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 been involved in 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 live music whether it's throwing shows or you know booking bar shows or what or you know what have you you know but um uh it has been insane uh to go on this journey and just to see the 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 the, the welcome attitude of of these the, these folks who love this music you know because i don't know anything i don't know what's you know i, I i'm starting to like really craft uh, my own recognition in, in this world or whatever but I, I i've never faced that oh you don't know this album attitude that i get with like a lot of these like rock bands or you know who, who, whatever you know i don't want to generalize any specific genre but i will say that um the, the dance genre has been so welcoming and so much fun to explore. Um, and it's, it's really cool to, you know, to, 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 to find an entry point, you know, uh, of, of whatever Daft Punk song, and then to really explore, okay, so this, you know, this is a, a Nile Rogers production. And then you, you, you follow that rabbit hole down and you get all the way back to, to chic and everything in between. It's just, it's such a good bridge into, the collaborative side of all art and all music, which I, I really, really love, love that side of, of this, this music. It's nice that you can come from a perspective where you're, you're listening for different things musically as well. So the, the elements that, you know, we might pick up on as dance music fans and be listening out for, you might be looking at maybe the chord structure or the different, uh, from, from your own experience with different genres of music as well yeah um and 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 finding finding different elements in and what they've done that's so clever and how they've picked up on certain things that maybe as a dance music fan you might not have spotted as well so it's it's a great way of um discovering the music and it's i suppose we always say at mixed mag as well it's people aren't born as like a, a, a minimal techno fan there's always going to be a kind of something that you get into first of all and your taste matures and develops and you discover new things like you say the rabbit holes of yeah. all these different things and it's the same in in every type of art as well or, or theater or you know painting or whatever it is it's like you know you you don't you, you don't see kids going into uh, art school learning oh i, I want to do become a cubism painter yeah. But you learn and develop the skills and the, 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 the appreciation of those things as well. Not to get too high culture about all this, but it's that's for me, that's what Daft Punk's about. It's about having the, having making those kind of pieces of music that are so happy and warm and enjoyable 
and then you can go into yeah but have you heard these kind of darker mixes they've done or have you have you listened to this transition that they did when they were young or you know when they fiddle around with like breaking the conventions of how you even use the technology and so there's there's all these different entry points you can get into whether it's even like I speak to my nephew, who's who's he's uh, he's twenty four, twenty five, and he's he was like when he was younger, he's like, oh, did you hear that Kanye West song? It's like, uh, it, it, it's who's this Daft Punk? Like, who's the Daft Punk? Yeah. Like, did he copy them or something? He's like, hang on, sit down. I've got a very important part <laughs> to do, and we we need to talk very seriously about this. So it's it's having those kind of different entry points for people to get into it, and it's like I said, it's not just about them and their music is everything that goes it's the world and the enigma that goes on around them it just makes them such a fascinating uh pair of artists absolutely yeah. i i've talked about like i they came around the same time like gorillas just turned 20 and as like an eighth grade boy like learning that there was a cartoon band and a robot band and like nobody knows who they are that that whole idea just really appealed to me as a kid it's it's funny too because um we we have this this joke. We latch on to like one word sentences as a group, right? You've probably heard us repeat a bunch of weird stuff over and over. But one of the things we've been saying lately, um, you know, since since doing this this podcast, um, you know, we we would say things like, uh, you know, ever since we started doing this analytical thing i'm listening to music different and it's funny because now we have this joke i can't stop listening to music differently <laughs> anymore i can't i can't i can't stop hearing these elements uh across everything i listen to it's it's very cool to um the other thing that i'm really enjoying about doing this um is you know you you mentioned you know kind of that highbrow perspective on music um which 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 i, I love but i think that this type of, of music and Daft Punk specifically, um, you can enter into it at any level you you want as far as uh, how you want to break it down, how you want to, you know, at the core, there's a groove there. You don't really need to think about it. You can just kind of move to it. But if you want to dive in, it, there's just like, again, there's an endless pit of knowledge to explore. And, and I know we love that over here. And it sounds like you're in the same camp over there, <laughs> which is very cool. Definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I suppose it's it's just nice to be able to have that kind of to be able to listen to different layers of things and to be able to sort of pick out different things at different points. And it can be, you know, you, you do studies of things where things taste different when you when you listen to different music or, you know, you see different colors depending on, you know, you, everyone's got a slight synthesis or whatever the, the term is where you, could, you can kind of it, the influence and the effect of different sounds and different noises. And that comes that's so apparent in the range of music that Daft Punk make. Um, that you know it's such a broad spectrum of emotions and feelings and senses that you can pick up from it but yeah just being able to pick out different things and listening to music differently that's 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 so important because as you were saying on the discovery episode you don't want to over listen to a certain tracks because you, you don't you, you don't want to tire of them but um, there's that kind of self-cleansing element to some of their some of the music where by the time you've listened to the album all the way around again you're ready for one more time again so yeah, it's yeah. Bit, you know yeah. whether it's made that way or that's us maybe overanalyzing it i don't know but it's, it's definitely true and it definitely works yeah that's that is a song about how um how fun it is to listen to your favorite song again <laughs> like that that's <laughs> a, that's an incredible idea for a song um i i want to talk to you about you are in london which is like another hub of this culture we're here in detroit which uh, you know, I I've I've talked to people from like Germany, and I'm like I'm from Detroit, and they're like, whoa, techno. So I was just wondering, like, when when Londoners look at Detroit and think about techno, what what is the perception there? Well, it's I suppose Detroit, Chicago, 
And to a so lesser extent, New York and L.A. are kind of seen as the kind of main hubs for, for dance music but the in the U.S., but particularly Detroit and Chicago is seen as the kind of the, the, the founding grounds, like the holy land of like where, you know, techno and house originated from. So as people in Europe look to Detroit and look to Chicago as these kind of mythical lands of like, wow, imagine being in these clubs when, um, you yeah. know, these these sounds were being developed and being made, which I guess is exactly what Thomas and Guyman were doing when they were, you know, giving their nod of respect to Warren Atkins and the, and Sneak and and uh, yeah. Frankie Knuckles and the like. So, I suppose for for Europeans, it's it's always seen as somewhere that's a kind of such an important place in musical history and musical heritage. Um, and I suppose we always wonder if if you if you knew that if you're aware of that because there is that kind oh. of uh, that this idea and you tell me if this is right about how americans invented dance music but it took europeans to tell you about it was going on it was kind of yeah. that kind of thing you know we took what you were doing and kind of ran with it and you know i know when a lot of the american djs started coming over to the uk in the 80s and 90s they were amazed that there was kind of like warehouses and these huge parties where there were these big celebrities that they almost weren't in the us and they were you know being praised and respected quite rightfully as incredible artists it's um, um it, it took that for for things to kick off again back in the u.s it's a little sad here now it's different now that like edm has exploded and it's like a global phenomenon now you'll see like billboards around that says detroit is the home of techno things like that but for a long time it was you know detroit is rock city we like we invented like we're rock and roll and this this thing was like a weird thing that happened here that we didn't really talk unless about. you're there unless yeah. you're in the club you know unless you're in it and it, you know it, it's it, it's almost like not part yeah. of of the 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 detroiter set of uh, mindset i guess you know but then if you are somebody who's in that community who has sought it out like yeah it's 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 it's, it's amazing or whatever but like you know we we think back to um so we we uh, the theater we run right uh, uh, Planet Ant Theater uh, a couple years back now maybe two years ago or something like that that we had a um, we were one of the um, one of the, the the venues for a, a film festival right at which there was a the opening screening of a, of a documentary that wasn't finished yet and I'm not sure where it stands but it was called Let There Be Drum Machines um, and it, you know it was a, a Belleville three kind of thing and with that with that screening. Uh, Kevin Saunderson came and did a free set at our place and it was great. It was awesome. It was so cool. But if it was anywhere else, if it was, in, you know, if this, if this was in, in London or if this was in Berlin or something, it would have been lines around, you know, around the, the block I impossible to get in. And it was a fun time and it was awesome, but it wasn't that here, which blows my mind. Now looking back at the time, I didn't really, 100% get get it or whatever but it's that attitude that that um it is it is it's weird to see this thing born of Detroit and Chicago going overseas and then coming back and then us here being like oh my god that's so cool that that foreign sound or whatever and it's like Ugh. it was yeah it was us we did it and we just it's starting to gain more uh respect here over uh, or whatnot but it, it's true that uh, specifically Daft Punk it was like these two French teenagers heard what was happening in Chicago and and packaged it in a way that was like this is now this is now a single that can be on the radio and yeah. that that's what it took so um, but so for you you said um, maybe a little too young to get into the homework pocket do you remember um, 
learning about Daft Punk as a as a young dance fan, like uh, getting um, introduced to these guys? Yeah, I suppose. Well, because obviously around the world was such a big tune um, and um, a lot of the homework stuff kind of was being played on the radio in the, in the UK. And, you know, you see it on the uh, the TV uh, music channels as well. So I think that was from from my perspective where they became well known in the UK. Um, if you weren't old enough to be going to the clubs, which I wasn't at the time. So it wasn't until the sort of discovery era that things changed dramatically. And that with the arrival of the robots, that was when it was a completely different thing. I remember going into the Mixmag office when we just shot them on the cover with the robot masks on for the first time and the, the pictures had just come in. And the the, uh, the editor at the time, a guy called Viv Krask, was like, you're not going to believe what Daft Punk have done. I was like, what? And he showed me the pictures and I was like, what it's like <laughs> we're not going to believe how much they spent on these masks it's like what it was just it was abs- i mean because it's quite you know it's kind of penny now people wearing big masks and helmets and whatever when they're djing you know everyone's doing it pretty much there's probably more djs in masks than there are in just showing their faces these days but then it was as you know it was it was abs- a complete game changer and obviously they've always ha- held that um that that thing about themselves, about, you know, not wanting to show their faces and, but to take it to that next level of just saying, no, we're not even people anymore. We're, we are robots. And, you know, you, you just, you talked about the kind of the accent they had in their, their studio and all this kind of thing, but it, it was such a big change. And it was, it was like, this is performance art. This is kind of, this is beyond music now. And it's, and that's what's I think made, made them still exciting because they're not just making incredible music, which they are. They've got this incredible production and, storylines and enigma and just this this beautiful array of uh physical and artistic and um the all the elements that add together plus all the kind of waiting in between every single album that just kind of builds the tension the suspense every single time i've always said it's kind of like following a football team with daft punk because you get these huge moments of ecstatic relief but then you get these long drawn out periods of kind of frustration and um yeah it's it's the real highs and lows of being a daft punk fan i suppose which that- yeah we saw the sort of crescendo if you like this year but and but still the rumor mill continues because like yeah. you know we're still waiting on, on yeah. mixing the, the amount of rumors that still come out of like oh no it's not over yet you know they might be doing something with some nintendo computer game or whatever it is and it's like you know there's it's like guys i'm pretty sure they have now ab- abandoned the project but wouldn't that be just like them to be like well we never repeat ourselves therefore we are coming back because no one's ever done that before or whatever so yeah. It's a self-perpetuating um, process, isn't it? That was that was when they announced their retirement. That was something that I didn't really contextualize for myself until they're like, now they're done. But just the optimism of waking up in the morning and being like, maybe this is the day we find out that the next Daft Punk era, because it's always like hanging in the balance, right? Like that, like the cryptic random access memory billboards that popped up. You're like, Oh my God, we're entering the next Daft Punk phase. Here it comes. And it's just, they, uh, um, there was always that aura of maybe, maybe they're ramping up and now, now it's gone. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, it, it will never stop us from talking about them and, and doing never. something. It's like, you know, well, Leonardo da Vinci's dead, but you know, you still want to talk about people are still talking about his art and his, you know, everything he's done for years. And I, again, not to compare them to, 
Uh, no, you you're know. in. You are in the right place <laughs> yeah, because in yeah. a, episode two of the show, I was like, "These are the these are two modern day Renaissance men." Yeah. So, so of course, this if if they're gonna get bots. compared Renaissance bots, if they're gonna get compared to Leonardo da Vinci, you're in the exact right place to make that comparison. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. Um, uh, so that that is really funny. Uh, um the idea in mixed bag were like they're robots now i i had so much fun listening to interviews from them from around this era because eventually people just accept the shtick and and like they're just robots and we don't really talk about it but hearing them uh, as like 26 year olds being no we're we are robots now we have a human heart but my brain is a robot now and you just have to you, I, I'm not wearing a mask anymore. It's, so, it's really funny. It's so funny to hear Tomas in those those uh, those early interviews that were kind of talking like like it's almost like he, like he he means it and he believes it, but there's this element of like uh, like like are they gonna buy it in his voice? Kind of you know, there's this timidness to saying uh, we are you know he's, he's talking about it in the same way he's talking about like sound design or whatever. Yeah. Uh, we are uh, we have uh, robot flawless heads, but human hearts. <laughs> I'm not sure. Try- yeah. I apologize. <laughs> Anybody I fan with my pretend accents. <laughs> I really like the idea that they're, they're doing these interviews and then, you know, they'll, they'll go for a fag break, take off their helmets. Yeah. And smoking with each other going did they believe it yes they yes, think we're robots exactly. now. it's so funny or like we talked <laughs> about we talked about the gap commercial and like i just watched that again the other day the juliette lewis uh denim clad gap commercial it is so funny to me how they do not know that they're serious robots yet like they walk out doing like like full-on like robot stuff and they like the, it's 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 funny it's weird but it's so not yeah like like uh like even like 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 you looking at like Ram or or week weekend era like seriousness of the mythos or whatever it's so funny to watch them in that early on discovery yeah. well stuff. there's there's something special about dance music where it's like people have realized how cool it is that this is decidedly uncool and Daft Punk took that to an extreme level where like this is such this is a, such a dorky thing that's happening but it is cool as fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, it's it's amazing to me preserving that like that rock star attitude in this like i, I don't know I, I mean i think what they do and, and and let me know what you guys think about that it feels to me like what they do is remove the need to evaluate coolness at all they're just like i like this stuff i don't care if it's cool i don't care if you call it cool we're just doing it you know and we're gonna yeah. do it well i um, mean that to me is amazing because it's an underground sensibility yeah. with a kind of populous uh, persona or facade because it's it's accessible but it's still rooted in credibility because at, at the end of it all they're making amazing music that isn't yeah. always completely obvious and it isn't um you know that what everyone was thinking would happen at each point because you could never predict what was going to come next but it's there's it's it's an odd one that you, they can be one of the most famous acts in the world but still feel part of counterculture or, or still feel like some you know if, if someone tells you they're into daft punk you you don't think well of course you are everyone is you think oh you respect that they they they're into yeah. this incredible music and you, you you consider them someone that that knows a bit about dance music or you know knows their stuff whereas you know in actuality they're one of the most famous acts in the world but they've they've still retained that kind of the, the in the know kind of feel about them and that's for some for something that's gone that big that's you know that, that that's become so worldwide and ubiquitous to still have that air of credibility and um respect 
that's you know it's very hard to do that kind of thing at scale because m- most people when they get to that level it's kind of like well they've sold out you know it, you can pick any number of the other big DJs that you know the, the Getters and the Calvin Harris's that you know as soon as they've done anything poppy that's it they're kind of people might consider less of them yeah but um, Daft Punk have you know they've they've crossed those barriers and back again a million times but they're still seen as the the untouchables absolutely and I, I, want, I wonder how much that upsets other acts I wonder how much there's um yeah. you know how other acts perceive it and how if there is a kind of if they all respect it as much as because I'm sure there must be some people in some acts going come on we're as good as them aren't we what surely we're you know but there was there was one time when I went to interview let's say another dance act i'm not going to say who it was uh, yeah. i went to italy to interview them and I'd gone to this festival this mtv festival and got there and their manager said oh no we're not we're not doing an interview with mixed mag now and i was like why not and they said well you said that their al- album's not as good as daft punk's album and i was like well guys you know it's, it's subjective and you know i've flown all this way they said no just go and enjoy the festival whatever and they were that upset they wouldn't do this yeah. so I flew back to london like wow that, there are some people that really you know they're in that world and they um maybe there was a bit of uh, professional jealousy that's incredible we, we sorted it out when we got back to london they're like oh yeah sorry about that they're having a bad day we did the interview on the phone whatever but it, it was interesting to see that that side of things from in, from an industry perspective <laughs> i'm sorry you said you, our album is not as good as the most legendary dance album of all time. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's crazy. That's very funny. Do you, um, so you, you were there when they had the production photos for the first time that robots were on mixed mag. Do you remember the vibe around the, the magazine when that album came out? Like what, what were people's thoughts at mixed mag when discovery came out? Cause it was such a giant leap from what people knew of Daft Punk. Yeah, it was really mixed. I mean, because we can look back now and we know how huge and successful and incredible the album was, but I think because people were expecting, well, they didn't know at that point to expect the unexpected, as it were. So yeah. they were thinking it was going to be another homework and something quite, you know, not lo-fi, but, you know, a, a bit more buzzy and acidy and yeah. kind of, you know, uh, analog and, you know, not with the kind of pomp and grandeur of what Discovery had. So I think for some people there was confusion and, I've, you know, I've reread some of the features uh, today and just kind of some people were very dismissive about the whole thing. But I suppose time tells the story really it's like actually i think the people that were expecting something else that's you know that they just had an, an idea of what they thought was coming next they thought it's gonna be homework too when actually what they did was something completely different and changed changed dance music in 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 ways that only made it better for everyone else involved in the scene so it was it was an interesting exciting incredible time because it was someone doing something completely different not just musically but in every aspect of of, of how they created an album. And you've, you, you know, as you've discussed on previous episodes, the, or, or, or are, are discussing the, in the, the, the invention of the Daft Club and having that card. And we, we in the, um, in the feature in Mixmag at the time, we were with um, Thomas when he got the first card and he was sort of saying, it's just walking around the shoot going, it's wicked, isn't it? But in French, whatever that is. Because, <laughs> um, you know, the, no one had done something like that before and they had changed the game and they they had reinvented the music industry. They, they'd, they'd, they'd made iTunes before iTunes and they'd, they'd invented streaming before streaming and they'd, they'd seen a, a model of, um, you know, what Napster were doing with kind of almost killing an industry in, in some people's opinion. And they just said, well, let's face it head, head on and let's, let's do it ourselves and we'll make our own album and our own music that people can download. And I remember being one of the, I'm sure as you were, one of the people with the card and waiting all day for something to download on your dial up <laughs> so you could hear a new remix of One More Time and Aerodynamic together. And, and that, that was, it felt like 
they they weren't just making music they were making technology they were changing the industry they were do they were they were taking these huge steps which now you look back and you think well yeah obviously everyone knows about streaming and downloading music but you weren't in the year 2000 so if for a lot of people that was the first time you'd have gone oh i can get music directly onto my computer i know it sounds so ancient like 20 years 21 years later but really then you're like oh it's just going to appear here you know in in whatever it is six hours of buffering time but it was it was something that was it was completely different and completely unique and that's that's just is what sums them up best i think yeah that that I, i'm learning a lot about them uh researching the discovery era specifically about that how much thought they put into that how, like i found a quote from tomas from like 98 where he basically describes itunes and he's like uh, you know, people are going to stop buying records. They're going to save their uh, credit card information on their lap, on their computer at home. And it's just going to appear and they're going to be able to download. And he's like, he describes iTunes before, before most people have the internet and they just, the, they were forward thinking in every aspect of, of the career. It's incredible. It's similar to that. There's a famous, obviously you've all seen the, the David Bowie interview now where he, he says the same thing about the internet before it happened as well. And there's just some people that are in the artist's world where they, they can see things from different perspectives because they, they don't live in the same world as we do. They, they don't really, they're on different planes and they, they can kind of, they can do that kind of foresight, um, which to us mere mortals um, is, is very difficult to recognize. But if you are uh, a, a spaceman from a Ziggy Stardust, or if you're a robot, then you can kind of see these things coming maybe. It's there's a lot of themes that came across in a lot of, of reading some of the old Mixmag features on Daft Punk, and it's that idea of there there are no rules anymore, which seemed yeah. to keep coming through in all of their in all of their interviews, and that's exactly it. They just they just didn't want to do anything that anyone else was doing. That's what made them so exciting. Absolutely, it seems like we think of 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 Daft Punk as as the music, and we've we've talked about it at this level on the show before. That Daft Punk is 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 all of it, right? Like it seems to me like they you know musically they approach mute the, the the creation of 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 this music as okay there are barriers here we're gonna break through them and like we we see that with with the music side of things but like it, it's very cool to look at it and see that with the you know the 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 the, the non-musical sides of art whether it's staff club whether you know you know whether it's interstellar whether it's any of these outside projects that like we want to box into this separate thing but really it's all it's all Daft Punk, you know, it all is. And that's that's cool to see. I really love that. Da I, I think Daft Punk did us a favor by doing the robots and really swinging for the fences on that because it it is so fun to talk about and cover in the press. Yeah. And I think an issue we've had in Detroit and Chicago is like, if you are a person who does this, your album covers are blank or they're pictures of drum machines and you're, you know, putting out music under four different monikers. And it's very difficult to write about and talk about or craft a narrative around artists when they are so interested in, you know, just putting out a hundred white label maxi singles for other DJs. And it's, it's very brave to put on incredibly expensive, silly robot helmets and be like, this is what we're going to talk about in yeah. our career now. Um, you, you said uh, you saw Tomat. Do, do you, have you met these guys? Well, this is the the thing. I mean, this and and I don't know whether I like this or not, but they say never meet your heroes, and I haven't met my heroes. So I, I've I've interviewed Thomas on email, which is for me how a robot would want to be interviewed, really yes. in, in binary. So yeah, so there's that, but it's it's not met my heroes, and 
there was a uh, a guy who was working at Mixmag, and I sent uh, we sent him on a trip to Paris to do something with Sebastian or Gustafsson or something, and he'd only been at the company maybe a month, and he came back and he's like, "Oh, I met Guy Man," and I was like, "What? How did I not go on the trip?" Yeah. So yeah, so this so the, the guy who'd been with us like barely got his foot under the desk was. Oh. Uh, hanging out with one of the robots uh, on his like first press trip. So um, lucky him, but uh, no, lucky him. not me personally, but yeah. And the, the, I've had kind of like brushes, obviously when they played in, they played a festival called Global Gathering um, in the UK when the, that was their first pyramid show in the UK. And I was backstage chatting to, um, I think it was David Getter's manager who was, who was there and we were kind of talking about what's going to happen. And, you know, she was no, no one was giving anything away. There's such an air of mystique around what was even what was even the stage show because I think it's behind a black curtain at the time, and there was no footage of what had happened elsewhere. It was just kind of you know we don't know what's going to happen. And while I was talking to her, I could see like a porter cabin open behind me, and I saw the the masks on a table, and uh -huh. I just kind of screamed like a little girl. And I, whatever the the manager was saying to me at the time, I was like just couldn't hear. That. I was like, look, 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 the, the masks, <laughs> the, the helmets. So, that's that's as close as I've come really and and in a way I kind of like that I kind of I kind of like the fact that there's the enigma even being working in the industry uh, our paths haven't crossed enough for me to, to for it to be ruined by um having a, a very embarrassing conversation where I kind of you know even of all the years I've worked at Mixmag I would still be very very intimidated and nervous yeah. and um, probably quite cringy in what I what I come out and say I'd probably try and speak in French to them and just say something <laughs> wrong but um, yeah. yeah, so not not properly, but I, I kind of like it that way. That's cool. What um um what was your email interview with Tomas about? So when we did uh, after I saw the pyramid show in uh, Global Gathering, they did another show the week after at Wireless Festival in in London, and having seen the pyramid, obviously everyone was talking about it, and I was like, well what are they doing up there what's in that pyramid no one has any idea what's going on they're not djing they haven't got headphones on so how is this even like everyone was just baffled by what's going on so i was like okay we've got a week to get access into that pyramid and get a photo of what kit they're using and we can have the first ever double page spread in a magazine of you know what what's going on in there so we spoke to um management and we we yes yeah, so we spoke to um pedro and he said okay you can get a, you can get one photo in the pyramid when it's in london the boys won't be in it or the robots won't be in it um but you've got like five seconds to get so we had to fill in all these forms all these clearance and all these ndas and all these secretive like pieces of material and uh, our photographer naki got to run in just as they finished so they came off the stage he got in took a photo so the crowd are still there and i yeah. think there's probably like reddit groups and there's kind of facebook groups where people like tag themselves in the picture of them in the audience because the whole crowd is still there and then so i emailed Tom has to say, okay, can you talk us through what each bit of kit does? And this is like, sounds stupid again, but the days before iPads, so there's like a touch screen, like what's that black surface? So oh, that's uh, it's like a touch screen device where it triggers the Ableton or whatever. And you're like, touch screens? What is this, Star Trek? This is amazing. Yeah, so... Yeah. And then he, so he kind of, and I'm sure you, you know, uh, the listeners can look up that picture if you, I'm, I'm sure it's in plenty of places online. But yeah, and if you Google um, Daft Punk inside the pyramid, you'll find the fine right he's talking about. Uh, absolutely. And it is worth a look for any it Daft is, Punk It is. It's my favorite picture of, you know, like people are always looking up Daft Punk's rig during homework era, during this era, because everyone's fascinated about what they're doing with these live shows. And that's my all time favorite picture of Daft Punk's setup. It's, it's so cool. I, I feel like, that 
is what put Ableton on the map as live software, not just, you know, beat making software, yeah. the, the Moog Voyagers in there. I love that picture so much. That's an incredible spread. Yeah. What, what yeah. was the coolest thing you felt like you learned by doing this project? Um, well, I, I suppose it was just the reality of what, how much was going on in there because it's, and also I think it's really important to kind of dis, dispel the myths where people think, oh, they're just pressing play or it's the same with a lot of dance acts where people just think, oh, they don't understand it. So they assume that they're, they're faking it or they're not doing anything to kind of show the breadth and the amount and the levels and the tech that was going on. And I think, um, Thomas said in, in the interview that, you know, it's a 10 man team. It's not just the two of them up there. There's so much going on. Um, that was that was interesting because it was such a faultless and flawless show. And I, you know, as a huge fan going into as the same with you guys, when you, 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 you you've seen and experienced different parts of what they do going into that show, it was the most hyped and the most excited I've ever been about anything in my life. And it surpassed that level of excitement. So how can something be the best thing you've ever can imagine and it'd be better than that? And that's how I've always felt about that show. So for for them to do something that incredible, and then realize that it is, there's so many things that can go wrong and there's so many bits of kit and there's so much happening at once for it to be to make this flawless show um that was that was what was interesting to me just the kind of level and the the setup that they had it was they didn't play it safe they didn't sort of go well look we're wearing masks we have to kind of play it down a little bit and you know we're gonna be wearing these big gloves and they just said we're gonna do everything at the, the most breaking point of technology at the kind of cutting edge of every level of music that is available at the moment in, in electronics and that was that was really interesting the fact that they they, they took the risks and they it paid off because it was as as we all know now the most yeah. amazing and uh the, the show that changed dance music shows forever well that's that's one thing i've always thought like i saw i saw their Lollapalooza show in chicago on that tour and i uh my whole group wanted to go see ben harper and i was trying to convince them all day like I know like I it's 2007 I know like people don't like dance music yet but but <laughs> but it's daft punk you guys have to come with me and none of them did I went by by myself and over the years I'm like like have I over hyped that show in my brain have I talked it up for myself so much that it's a legendary thing and somebody uploaded the whole Chicago show to YouTube recently and I, it was just like no this is exactly right I this is the best concert I've ever seen in my life it's very funny because they on on literally the Saturday before before the, the Monday announcement of, of, of the split uh happen we as a group we literally we, we we got the the big speakers set up in my living room we turned off all the lights and we just we just we went to that show together that saturday <laughs> the the chicago Lollapalooza uh set of that show uh and it was you know it was it was one of those moments where even in that setting even in that setting having listened to the live album at this point i don't even know how many times and an insane number of times but even just turning on that version of, of that show together and watching it like we're there on, uh, you know, uh, uh, it was, it, it is, it's just, it's almost the words don't almost exist. You know, it's, it's crazy to, to see that. And it, it is, it is an experience. It is something that, you know, I do wonder, am I hyping this show up? And then I go listen to it and it's like, Nope, I'm not. So did you, as, as somebody who works in this industry and covers, you know festival culture and and show culture when that first time you saw the show did you did you were you in your brain like oh this is going to change the way we do dance music live 
Well, I, I suppose I didn't realise that other people would be so quick to do something similar, I suppose, because it, obviously that was the start of the kind of the neon and the um, the, 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 the the big EDM shows that everyone suddenly wanted the biggest LED wall and the pyrotechnics and the ticker tape and the, uh, the you know, the big smoke cannons and everything else. But what we should have all done at that time, by the way, is just invested into whatever pyrotechnic companies there were, because obviously yeah. suddenly they went from doing like whatever like a, a world cup launch party to like every single festival in the world has to have a hundred pyrotechnics every drop um but yeah i i, I didn't realize at the time how quick that was going to change things i just knew that i was seeing something that was that i i hadn't dreamt of let alone understood it could even happen um i suppose as well it was the, the key thing with it was the syncing the lighting to the music in a way that hadn't been done before as well because obviously that that was cutting edge technology which obviously now everybody does but that was something that that's one of the biggest game changers. It wasn't just about the scale. It was about the kind of matching the, the lighting and the visuals to the sound in a way that hadn't ever been done before. Yeah. So it was it was a complete game changer. And yeah, I, I was aware that I was seeing history, but I just didn't know how quick and how soon other people would kind of pick up and go, I want a pyramid too. And, um, <laughs> yeah, because now like Skrillex has his spaceship and dead mouse has the cube and like every every big dj's got their own shape they have, they're all claiming <laughs> right. you know which is great because they are they are all good you know etienne de Cressy's cubes and um you know there's there's uh eric prids is kind of yeah you know there's there's always another d like a 4d 5d oh, show no 6d show this time or whatever it is but yeah there's which is great for the fans and it's great for the scene and it's great to have these kind of you know things being moved on and changed and being given kind of um an incredible way of in, being introduced to and enjoying the music but obviously it shouldn't take away from the fact that ultimately the music's the most important part and you, you know you can have all these big shows as we've probably seen with some edm djs not naming any names but if you don't have the music and it's just the kind of the the big show it's like you know if they, they become 10 a dozen it just takes away from the fact that it, you need to have the the weight and the gravity in the music you're playing as well as the the kind of the big visual nonsense so i'll name names i la <laughs> the, the last festival i went to marshmallow was a headliner and i watched it for like 15 minutes and i was bored as hell there was this much lighting and crazy things going on but it was just boring music <laughs> you know you know what was fascinating to me is uh you know, like we had a live and we had this stage show and we're talking about how quickly people uh, started doing that and adapted to that. I was at uh, New York University a couple years later and my friend Austin was going for film and he was like, I'm changing my film degree to an independent study in just video projection. And I want to do that for touring acts. And that's what he got his degree in in school. And he's, you know, he, he, he does like, I think MGMT show right now and Fantagram and stuff. He's made a career out of it, but it's only four or five years after a live he was getting a degree in video projection for live festival yeah, stuff that's that incredible. is so quick and so yeah it became so widespread so quickly that that that's one thing that i think that there there's really interesting about their career and i'd like to know your thoughts on it like after homework they spent four million dollars of their own money making uh, their next album into an anime movie and then <laughs> and then a couple years later Coachella's poking and prodding them to play and they were like we will front you all the money that you're going to that you would get for Coachella before we even know what you're going to do here we'll pay you in full and they took that money 
and they they reinvented the way that we do live dance music with like they they're constantly investing their own money into their art and gambling on themselves and i was wondering what what you as somebody in the industry what you think of that yeah i mean it's it's fascinating because they're not obviously a get rich quick take the money and run they they want to forward and push things forward and and better themselves and their music and the art and at the same time the wider scene by doing that so i think their relationship with money is really interesting because they're a business at the end of the day and it's a really well-run business if you look at it from the perspective of now and say well obviously they've made their millions but the only reason they could do that is because they did take these huge risks and I'm sure the labels at the time so people like Virgin who they originally kind of signed to I think they 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 ran the tracks as a kind of license to Virgin so they use Virgin's money to be able to do all the kind of bells and whistles that you want from a label but they licensed the tracks from uh, from Daft directly to them so it was it's, they've always done these kind of things that seem like gambles or seem like you know they're, they're not living by the same constraints of everyone else does because thankfully there were labels that were like actually we will do that and we will take that risk with you so there's always been kind of backing and the teams behind them to sort of say yeah we'll, we'll let you take that risk so I think they've 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 done well out of the fact that people have kind of believed in them however ridiculous it might have seemed at the time when they said, well, we're not going to have a video made in time for your first single. How are people going to watch the video for one more time? And they're like, well, actually, we don't want that. We don't want the video to actually be linked to the single because we want the video to be a piece of art in itself. And it shouldn't be about making money. It should be about here's the music. I hope you like the music. Here's the video. The, the video wasn't made to promote it so we can sell money. The video is made as a kind of piece of art in itself. No one else was doing that. No one else a dream of doing that. And it's, it's even the same when you look at Random Access Memories when Get Lucky came out. You know, the the video they shot was whatever. It was just the, that very short clip that TV stations would just loop the kind of the video because they didn't make enough to cover the entire track. They're like, well, it's not about that. It's about doing something completely different. And you're just going to have to follow our rules because we're not going to do anything that you tell us to. We're, we're not going to make <laughs> five minute a track we're just going to give you 30 seconds and then cut it how you like i saw of rereading the interview we did with um thomas when that came out uh, and he was saying because obviously when the advert came out for random access memories and there was just a very maybe it was a 15 second loop of just the intro and people were picking up on it remixing it stretching it out making their own tunes with it because they they hadn't heard the full track yet so the tune from the advert was making, you know, was getting played around parties and clubs and everything because these people are so desperate to be able to hear the new Daft Punk show. They're like, well, if they haven't finished it or we've only got this amount of it, let's just make the rest ourselves. And Thomas was very like, this is great because as an artist, they're like, you know, they don't care. They're just like, we want people to use it as inspiration. We like the idea that people are remixing our stuff. We like the fact that people have used it and gone on to do things with it. So it's it's, it's a very refreshing way of looking at because obviously the 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 fat cats and the bods are like, oh, you need to pay for the sample. Or, you know, if you want to license it, it's going to cost it that. But the artists are like, whatever, just it's good that it's out there in the ether and people are doing something yeah. interesting with it. I, I, the big loser in all of that was the yeah, yeah, yes, because Daft Punk unveiled that 30 seconds at Coachella right before the yeah, yeah, yes played. And you could see everybody freak out in the video. And like, nobody's gonna, no, like, it would be such a disappointment to, to see that. And you're like, Daft Punk, they're finally back. And then the yeah, yeah, yes are just gonna play. I feel bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, yeah. Follow that. Follow, yeah. follow this. Follow this ad. It's just literally words on a screen, wasn't it? Yeah. And, um, and but no, you want to you want to go after that. Not not their fonts. <laughs> the highlight of my Coachella was watching an advertisement for my favorite band. <laughs> uh, that that's incredible. Um. Uh. So you you saw? Did you ever see? Um. 
either of them perform as a DJ or anything? Because by by 2001, Tomas had kind of retired from live DJing because of his ears, right? So you yeah, never saw them. Yeah. So unfortunately not. So I, I turned 18 in the year 2000. So I probably just missed out on a lot of their, their DJ sets, which is unfortunate. But um, yeah, I suppose it's just one of those things where whatever generation you're in, you've got a kind of good bit and there's the bit that you just missed out on. And for us, it was the seeing them DJ. And I suppose for a slightly earlier generation in the UK, it was the kind of the build of the rave scene was kind of 87, 88, 89. And so our kind of older brothers and dads and uncles were kind of in the very early stages of when the scene developed in the UK. My generation, we kind of got the kind of the birth of the super clubs and the kind of the, the golden era of trance in the 90s and um, how how dance music developed in, in, in the late 90s and noughties. Um, but, and then there's the next generation after that that have kind of, have been part of the big EDM explosion and the, the, the globalization of dance music. So yeah, I, I fit into the kind of middle category. So there's there's the goods and the goods and the bads. But yeah, unfortunately, didn't get to see the DJ sets. But thankfully, there's people like yourselves that are show, showing us where we can uh, hear them and <laughs> the kind of the essential mixes and everything else that are still yeah. out. Hopefully, they're uh, digging into them uh, for this project. Uh, there, I didn't realize how much like pirated content is out there there if you want if you want to look hard enough you can find all sorts of daft punk dj sets and stuff so they're out okay. there if you look hard Kudos enough. To you guys because you've been doing that digging you've been really like there's not a nook and cranny of the internet that you haven't um discovered something excuse the pun but yeah it's um <laughs> incredible the uh the research that's gone on so um yeah let's keep sharing those mixes please yeah absolutely i'm getting very good at finding weird old interviews that they gave in french and <laughs> figuring out how to translate them uh um you in your email you said that you were one of the first people that got a review copy of random access memories well yeah they, well they, they they invited me to the um to the label headquarters and you got to you had to sit in a room and they play it to you uh, and i was with two other guys from mixmag and then we were like can we hear it again because we have to write a review at the end of this and it's so much pressure in trying to summarize it's yeah. hard enough like you know you need to listen to a piece of music quite a few times to have a good honest opinion of what's just happened but when you're as big a daft punk as fan as me and someone's saying this is the new daft punk album and you're going to hear it once and then you need to write the review of it i was like i, I need I'm, the other two guys left i said no i need to hear it three i need to hear it two more times before i'm going to do anything so thankfully they let me stay and i listened to it three times in a row wow but then wow. that was the basis of having to write the review so i look back at the review now and it's fine it's you know it's it kind of summarizes everything it's not too much of me saying it's good or bad it's just saying this is what happens and this is who's on it and this is the kind of vibe um but normally you'd want to if you're reviewing music you want to hear it and get used to it and live with it and kind of listen to it in headphones listen to it in a car listen to it in a club or you know whatever you can and can't do so it was just kind of sat in this room kind of trying to write down all the lyrics and trying to th look at the themes and trying to work out the kind of patterns of uh, just, is that who's that on the guitar do you think that's Noel Rogers or do you think do you think that's one of the someone else that's on there so um you, you kind of have to kind of put the clues together for yourself and kind of work it all out but it was just, it, yeah, it very, felt very, very privileged at the time because you walk out of the room thinking, wow, I've just heard the new Daft Punk. You want to sort of tell people in the street, I've heard it, it's great. I, I did it. <laughs> good news, it's good news. So yeah, it was it was a very, not a, a, an overwhelmingly joyful and intense experience at the same time to kind of be like, 
this you you know that you're listening to a piece of history and you know that you're very, a very lucky and very privileged position to be able to tell that to other people tell that to a wide audience and have that kind of gravity of whatever you say is going to be used and referenced and affect how people might make the decision to listen to them or care about it themselves not to say that you know people treated that review that seriously but i think it was it's you you have that kind of weight on your shoulders sometimes when you're doing something of that magnitude um and yeah i just felt very lucky and very privileged to be in that position you you mentioned how uh in the mixed bag offices when discovery came out there was like a mixed bag like oh this is so different S absolutely same with this album i think and because people didn't sit with it they listened to it once and they're like there's no there's not bangers on this they they people dismissed it but like listen to that album yeah. like it's genius it's so good i i it's, can't it's, oh. sonically it's 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 the most important album because i think as you referenced on a previous episode it's their first technically studio album and it's interesting when i go to like trade shows where people are kind of showcasing new headphones and new speakers they always use random access memories as the listening tune because that's that's one of the most beautifully produced pieces of music from a sonically audio perspective that anyone in the industry that works in speakers and sound systems that's how they they'll listen to the precision of the bass or the you know the highs and the lows and all that kind of thing so it speaks it speaks a lot about it's not just about making the bangers and making edits and kind of taking disco hooks and all that sort of thing that's the whole point is it's, it was about progressing about doing something different doing something new and doing something that kind of invited disco back in they've done the big kind of edm stuff and now everyone else is doing that so let's get back to the soulful stuff let's get the low ceilings and the warm buzz and the glow and the kind of you know the, that kind of west coast positivity and enthusiasm that's always ran through their music but making it a bit less about the kind of you know the the comparison between like something like random access memories and the the tron soundtrack it's kind of you know there's it's a, two very very different pieces of work it doesn't sound like the same people but it's yeah it's such an important piece of music yeah i, I think i think it's been an especially important piece of music uh this past year because I, I i think that in the the culture of going to to clubs and raves uh sometimes you you contextualize all the music by how you're hearing it live and after not going to any shows any parties yeah. for the last you know year and a half it's like you know it, it's a nice reminder that you can sit down and really yeah. listen to and think about dance music you know divorced from the warehouses yeah. it's it's an incredible album it's one of, one of my that. most one of my most positive one of my most positive Daft Punk experiences <laughs> of all of uh, when we 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 recently the the three of us we sat down uh, and we just not in a dancey mindset or anything like that we just sat down and kind of quietly listened to Ram and just thought about it and then talked about it and and like that uh, that that album I mean I, a, I can't imagine being in that room and listening to like Giorgio by Morota the first time and trying to think I have to explain what i just heard uh after hearing it you know th just three times in a row as part of a whole that that blows my mind to even think about what that is for you in that setting there's a, a dug out, a, a dug out, dug out an old quote uh from thomas who was talking about their music back in the homework days and it feels like it's a really reflective of the random access memory music because he said in, he's talking about uh the beach boys and brian wilson who obviously they're, they're huge fans of he said in brian wilson's music you can really feel the beauty like bob marley too this was god inside the music something that we want something we want to do is keep it warm a lot of electronic music is very cold rock has a certain warmth that's a good thing about it and soul and funk and disco also 
we're not interested in in doing really dark music. Our music is not stupid happy house, but it makes people happy. Yeah. And that I feel like is is where they've come full circle with random access members because it is that warmth and the glow. And um, however you feel about religion or putting God into music or something, I think they're just kind of saying that that having that happiness is yeah. um, key. And that I think that's something that it's got. It just feels random access memories feels less intense and it's got a, a nicer pace to it that you kind of it, it breathes a little bit more. And maybe that's the maturity of 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 the guys as well uh, and, and and where they were in their lives as well, knowing that they they don't have to make club music. They can just do something that they they yeah. can work with their heroes and they can make something that is sonically ahead of its time again it's it's like club music for old folks who just want to sit on the couch now you know like it's it's all it's everything's fair. constructed like house tracks and the progressions all there it's just more mellow it's like for it's like for house heads that have kids now and want and just like party in their garage you know yeah. <laughs> you swap the red bull for red wine that's what it is yeah. Yeah. and i think that also like like to, to speak on on you know, the confidence to 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 get rid of these limitations. I mean, they they say it again. I'm going to talk about Giorgio by Marauder again. But but there's that moment where I, I forget the exact quote where it's like get, when you rid yourself of the limitations and blah, blah, blah. And then there's that moment of that just big glowing strings coming in with the drums are cut like the maturity and the confidence to do that in a song that like a couple minutes later sounds like laser beams and explosions and the most like groovy light like like that uh it's it it has this maturity uh that 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 is just it, it's 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 un unheard of yet you know, we don't even know that they don't have that yet until they show us that that exists. You know, it's yeah. crazy. It's, that, crazy. it's that no constraints idea again, yeah. isn't it? The kind of, um, I suppose, what Freddie Mercury was doing with Bohemian Rhapsody and things like that, isn't it? It's yeah. just going, well, we're, we're just going to do whatever. And if it, it will work because we, we're doing it. Yeah. They, uh, I just found a quote from Tomas about Discovery where he, he was talking about what pop music means and he's like well, is queen pop like queen is they get to they get to take all these disparate ideas and themes and and sounds and cram them together into some crazy thing that nobody's ever heard and like that's what they want to do and they they do they do it here absolutely what was it like covering uh daft punk during the random access memories you know press cycle because one of the fun things about the show has been you know, contextualizing these things in dance culture at the time. And we're eight years out from that. And it's hard to remember what 2013 felt like in dance music. How, how was it covering them during that era? Well, the, the, I suppose the interesting thing about that is they took a, a, a way of looking at the release as we're not going to release this as if it's an album in 2013. We're probably going to treat it like it's an album in the 1980s. So it was all out of home advertising. They were taking print adverts. They were making, um, the kind of iconography that resonates with the kind of not of the the 2010s they they just ran a press campaign that was built around the the glory days of how they would discover music and when how what would excite them i think that's why they took the advert in between saturday night live because they were like this is the most important way of advertising something and we don't want to take banner ads on websites we want people to be talking about it because they saw it on tv like how people used to do in you know the the 20th century as it were so that was interesting because they they weren't trying to push things forward. They were kind of taking a, a step back and being retrospective with the way that they were promoting things. Um, and then I suppose the other big change was just the kind of this, the slight aesthetic of the look and feel of the maturity of what, what the robots became in that era as well, the kind of more mirror ball -y kind of esque and a bit more sleeker design. Um, 
and then we did a we we gave, we did a, we were doing a app at the time called Mixmag Global, which is a free app, and we didn't. There's an interview in there with uh, Thomas talking about the the release and how people are treating it and how people are enjoying the music and taking to it and it was you know they've thankfully always given Mixmag a lot of time in promoting them and you know giving us interviews so it it was it didn't seem different from our, our perspective in that we we were always going to cover what they do and always talk about how they how they approach things um but it, i suppose it just felt like it, it, there was something about it where i think i guess once you come out of a studio making that kind of music you know you haven't got anything to prove to anyone anymore and yeah. i suppose in their minds that was their last album they maybe they'd already decided then that that was that was it we don't know so they'd made something that they were impressed by and they were happy with and they knew that the world was going to be excited by it so i think they they had a kind of nothing else to prove let the music do the talking kind of way of way of looking at it absolutely i wonder i was wondering what you thought about like they they made all their other albums in the same bedroom all right and like in during homework during discovery their whole thing was like we want to prove that you can make beautiful music uh diy and you can do it here and like like anybody can do this stuff it's bedroom music and they by the by ram they had completely changed right like they're like not only do we not want to make bedroom music anymore but more music like this is a lost art form this thing we've never done is a lost art form and and we need to save it what, what do you think that says about them that that like doing a proper studio album unlike something they've never done before was so important to them in the late stage of their career i guess it was a, a, they had the opportunity to do it and i think if, if you've made you know a, a tron soundtrack that is so um digital and dark and um to do something that is the almost the, the opposite of that and to go what is the most light and bright and um to be able to focus on their heroes and actually work with them and you probably use the opportunities that as younger producers they maybe weren't given i think maybe there might have been a sense that you know when they were younger producers they wanted to show that they were the ones making the music and they were the ones that were you know changing the game but I suppose after you've already done that well you don't need to do that a third time maybe you can actually just get inspired by and showcase the music of others and get the kind of people that you've always looked up to to work on stuff with you so I think it was a case of having the the maturity to say having these kind of people come in and work on your music isn't isn't a, a step back and it isn't um using someone else's abilities or talents it's kind of it's making a better piece of music and it's it's using the the breadth of your own musical knowledge and that ability and that access that you now have to to the the incredible talent that's inspired all the disco and all the electronic music in the past it's it's just as we had the nods of respect in homework to the the kind of house and techno acts from the past this was a kind of let's get in the the, the people that pave the way and actually make the music with them so let's get Niall in the studio and let's get Giorgio in the studio let's we don't have to name check them let's get them actually on the on the synths yeah let's get them on on the guitar so I think it was uh it was it was a nice way of of, of using the people that have kind of inspired them and again just going for that nod of respect again they they, they spe- built a career uh, like sampling their heroes and for Ram they were like what if we sample our heroes brains instead of the music yeah, <laughs> yeah. um uh, I I uh, read an interview that, or they did or a radio interview they did with Zane Lowe around the time this came out and Zane was like, um, you know, what you're embracing this analog sound and Tomas bristled a little bit and he's like, we're we're recording stuff 
uh, in the old way, yes, but there's like 270 different tracks on the song Touch. Like, this is an incredibly technologically advanced album. So it's like this weird melding of both worlds. Yeah, and it kind of it kind of reflects that again the, the the human robot theme you know where is the 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 human heart where is the mechanical head where is that you know you know where the is mythos the is reflected but the mythos is reflected in the music there because you can say this is warm and human and this these are our heroes these are real people but then you can also look at it the same way 270 tracks or whatever yeah. you know like it it, it, it it almost like the more we think about it i'm excited to talk more about ram moving forward but like <laughs> it's the nexus of something and we can debate for for forever what 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 it's the nexus of but it is it is a a peak that has not been reached uh by anyone before or since in my opinion if you um uh the the one thing i am bummed out about now is like it when they promoted this album they told rolling stone like we don't have any plans yet we're not going to do a ram tour the next time you see us live it's going to be all our music together again like live 2007 like they had Ugh. they had an idea for it in my brain in their brain and if if this is all the music they have they wanted to give us is this if this is all they had collectively that i'm okay with that but what really bums me out is we'll never get to find out what they would have done with this stuff live yeah because we were hearing rumors, well, I mean, obviously so many rumors with these guys, but yeah. that there was going to be this Vegas show where they'd have all the people from Ram on stage and it would be like this kind of residency, which now you look back and think, actually, there's no way they'd have done that. Like, <laughs> but I don't, I, I'm trying to remember where it was kind of circling around because it's like that Vegas is the only place that's got the silly kind of money that could afford to have pay them whatever they'd have to be paid to do that. Yeah. Um, but I, I mean, again, I've got no idea of the foundations of how real this was, or if this is just someone's pipe dream that was, you know, pub talk. But well, as a as a music journalist, the, specifically traffics in this this sound, uh, how have, how do you uh, cipher through all the rumors? Because that like that is the Daft Punk machine now is just every couple of months like new rumor, and it's your job to find out if there's any validity to it like what what is it like covering daft punk rumors well there's sometimes when you you could just email the management and to say what's going on can we run this is this legal and there's sometimes where you might not get a reply so you don't necessarily run something and you think well we'll wait because at the same time that you want to tell everyone what's going on you don't want to put out anything that isn't true or get people's hopes up with the exception of on april fool's day when mix mag always does a, a, a terrible um, story and people really hate us for it but it's <laughs> so much fun um, and we've announced like live tours and I think even April Fool's just gone we did like a kind of this is going to be their new solo projects and yep. we get a lot of hate for that and a lot of unfollows but we will keep doing it that um, was I can I just say that was incredibly well written and incredibly funny the, the, quotes, the tone yeah, was the perfect the quotes, I loved that. the quotes from that like that you that you gave to Guimon and Tomas were so funny like that was really yeah, funny. it's very funny too because we're we're relatively active in a bunch of Daft Punk groups on the internet all, 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 all but but the the fallout from that april fool's uh <laughs> article was so funny because there were so many people posting the screenshots or posting the quotes and then you know like a huge camp of people saying no it's not really a huge camp of people saying but what if it is <laughs> you know so it's very funny. funny the two years before when we it was two years ago where we said oh it's the new live tour and we put like all these stupid dates of all these silly places including the mixed mag office is like the final date yeah and i had so <laughs> many friends and relatives that i haven't heard from in a long time going can i get guest list for when they're playing in the office and i'm like 
Do you really think Daft Punk are going to come mm. play in the Mixed Meg office? But yeah, we put the clues in there to kind of imply that it's an April, and it's obviously yeah. it's on April the first. But yeah, we you, we have to we we have we can have as much fun with it as they do. And I think there was a we did a trick years ago. So just before Random Access Memories came out, uh, they've just started doing the the posters with the the split helmets and the uh so the artwork was out and obviously we've been waiting so long for the next piece of music everyone in the office was so excited we're just waiting for that call or the email or the letter that's going to say here's the album or can you come and listen to it and i played a prank on a guy in the office so there's a guy called seb um and i i made a fake press release and i posted it to him and then i filmed myself handing him the post and then like pretending that i you know nothing's going on he's like <gasps> he's got all excited and he's like i've got the new daft punk album it's on you can youtube it as well you can uh, type in like youtube uh daft punk prank or something like that uh-huh. and um yeah so you could you can have as much fun with these things as, yeah. as they've been having with us i think there was one that went a little haywire this year. There was like somebody posted an April Fool's like event in Berlin or something where it was like Daft Punk is doing a secret show. They're coming back and like 2000 kids showed up in this field, but it was a, there was nothing there. And it got like it got crazy. Like every festival I've ever been to, there's a room like rumor like Daft Punk is here. Daft every, Punk is every, every Glastonbury, <laughs> every single Glastonbury that's it's going around. No, 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 no. Yeah, they're, they're playing the pyramid stage because it's the pyramid. It's like, no, that's not. But yeah, I think like Emily Evis, who books Glastonbury, had to come out one year and say, look, we don't ever announce our lineup, but I am going to quash the Daft Punk rumor now because just it's so tangible that people are expecting it. And you don't want to let people down yeah. as much as you want them to enjoy the rest of the show. But yeah, exactly. The, 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 the rumors are as much a part of being a fan as um yeah the, the actual getting to hear the real stuff yeah the year the year they uh did that secret encore with phoenix phoenix headline Lollapalooza, and and that's all anybody was talking about like it's happening they're going to do the like i heard from my buddy who knows a guy that knows perry farrell and it is happening it didn't happen <laughs> it's the same was, it was the super bowl this year wasn't it of course everyone just thought the weekend yeah. was turn up with him and no he was wandering around his little maze and they weren't there i think that that's why he started with i feel it coming just like get it out of the way they're not here move on and watch the rest of my awesome crazy show (laughs) so uh when you found out that they were retiring what like what what did you think what did how did you feel well like you guys i've been wearing black ever since so (laughs) (laughs) morning morning right chaps yeah um yeah i i obviously it took a while for it to sink in and just huge disappointment because it's just not you know it's it's knowing that what you might miss out on in terms of what the next album was going to be and we'd i'd heard rumors from people at work that they'd the the new new album was made and there was something was coming and it was like you know we're close to hearing new music so it felt very odd and it i didn't believe it when i first saw because obviously the footage they used from from their film rather than actually doing something specific it felt like a fan-made thing do you know what I mean? it felt like it was something that someone just spliced together some old Armor footage and implied they were splitting up so i was like initially watching it dubious but obviously it sunk in and you were like oh this is terrible news yeah. and then you sort of looking around like wandering around my house all sad and just seeing like my daft punk beach towel and my daft punk frisbee and just all the kind of silly things we've collected over the years yeah. just being Oh, well, we're not, you know, we haven't got this anymore. This is, and it's just that loss of what what would have been the next thing that we could never have predicted because it was always about doing things that we never knew what was coming next. So I suppose leaving on a high was the one thing we also didn't expect. Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, it felt like, cause there was that, 
leaked like set lists, recording lists. They're like, these are the people they've been working with. It was like very early in 2020. So yeah, it, it felt like we were ramping up to the next thing. And it, it was just like, no, <laughs> what, what do you, what do you expect? Um, what do you expect from these guys moving forward? Cause Daft Punk might be done, but I don't, I, I just have a feeling that they're not done making stuff. They're going to go on to do stuff. I su- uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously speculation, but I suspect because they're both artists and they're both sonically gifted, they're not going to not make anything any more ever again. I just don't think it will necessarily be within this project. And just as they've had spin-offs and, you know, done other things in the past with other people, I think that's probably, if they are going to do something, that's that's when we're going to see them. So I, the, the, the solo projects, April Fool, I don't think is as daft as it sounds. Excuse, excuse another pun. <laughs> I think the what what is likely is that I don't think they're just going to go and take an extended holiday in the south of France and we're never going to hear from them again. I hope that there'll be, there'll be other entities and other projects that they'll be working on, but I just suspect it won't necessarily be as a duo and it won't necessarily be as robots. But and they might have to show their face. Like if they make new music, they might have to show their face. <laughs> I don't know. What is it like? What's that going to look like? I I I wouldn't have thought that would happen. I think because that, that's been such a running theme throughout everything they've yeah. done. That kind of you know. And it's been brilliant because you never think of them as the people you think of them as the yeah. art and that's that's been their gift and that's i'm sure if they were going to do something else that would be the same so i suppose it's now just trying to keep away from the paparazzi that are actually working out which one's which and um oh he's grown a beard now and there is lax airport and whatever else so yeah um it's i hope there'll be more to come but as with all daft punk fans we just don't know what's going to come next do we yeah well the the rumor i heard was that somebody spotted tomas with gaspard he just put out his first solo track so there's maybe a chance that tomas has something to do with that solo album that's coming out so maybe we'll find out kind of production stuff that i feel like that might be what we find out is that they're going to they're going to like Tomas's dad took a back seat and was a disco producer that they might be pulling strings behind the scenes and producing music as opposed to being a front facing like act. Yeah, I don't think I mean, the, the circles that they hang out in, the people that they're their peers, they're all still working in music. So they're, they're going to be surrounded by it. And they I, I, I just don't think you go cold turkey on something that's your passion. Right. You know, this isn't like sort of saying. Um, you know, I'm, I've become vegetarian. I'm not going to eat meat anymore. This is sort of saying that this skill that you are a pioneer at and you've changed the world with, um, what you're just not going to ever sit in front of a beautiful synth or, you know, talk to one of your artist friends who happens to be in the studio and they want to hang out and, you know, you, you're you not going to lean in and say you need some more um, reverb on that hi-hat or whatever. So ten, it's, there's going to be more stuff, but it's just whether or not it's as robots in disguise, I don't see that coming. <laughs> yeah. I, this was this was a fantastic uh and I'm so excited about getting to talk to cool people about Daft Punk and um it's just it's so because it's such like a it's a, such a bodily thing and you know you go to a rave or whatever and you're, the whole thing is trying to not like think as little as possible it's really fun to sit here and talk and just try to be intelligent about this kind of music because there's so many people out there that love it uh i am just happy to be able to try to spread that love a little bit with the show well like i say you guys are doing an amazing job and um the amount of content that you're creating i hope that there is 
endless more episodes to come because um, I'm really, really enjoying going back through the, the series and you're doing a, fast, a fantastic job. I'm sure the robots themselves will have heard about this by now. So um, whether or not you'll get some kind of indication or some kind of signal, who knows what it will be. Um, but yeah. Who knows? You know what? You know what? If this show is responsible for them getting back together, yeah. who knows? <laughs> they put out a press release saying we were done, but then we listened to this. These podcast. three guys love us so much that we only have one choice, and it's to get back together and give them a new album. They give us one album that nobody else we can yeah, do like whatever we want. Shkreli, with. Yeah, like Shkreli, a, exactly, um, like the Shkreli, like the Wu Tang album. Wu Tang album. We they get trust us with guy. one track, and we get to do whatever we want with it. <laughs> I, I think it's important to say. I uh, I know our listeners are fans of dance music i know some of them are fans of daft punk and have not gotten to explore you know dance music at large outside of that and i this might go without saying but mix mag is just been an incredibly important publication to me you know over the years uh, just having conversations about dance music and if any of our listeners are maybe fans of daft punk but have not spent time with dance music mix magazine is is incredible yeah the last thing i read from you guys was that um uh, one of your writers went down to Syria to talk about the Syrian underground house scene and how important it is for young people to have an outlet like that during a civil war. It was an incredible piece of journalism and just such a cool uh, way to look at how this music like helps people. Uh, and uh, yeah, so you like very cool stuff like that comes from Mixed Mag, uh, you know, fun stuff. We we emailed you because, um, you know, months after they retired, it's like it was like, Daft Punk's 15 best music videos. It's just like a thing you put out like, they're still talking about Daft Punk. Maybe they'll talk to to us about Daft Punk. And here we are. We're, yeah, we're never going to stop talking about them. They, they're <laughs> so influential and so important in the, the, the foundations of everything that dance music is about. And that's, what so that's what's so interesting about them is that when they started they didn't they were doing the same to people before them so we're technically all standing on the shoulders of giants and regardless of uh where you enter dance music's world you you pick it up and you can learn about the past and then you can start shaping the future and that's what's exciting about it absolutely we yeah. we end every episode by talking about a, a song or an artist that we're currently obsessed with i don't mean to put you on the spot but is there any dj or, or song that you're like people should hear this right now Mm, that is putting me on the spot, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what I could say actually is, is rather than a specific track or a specific DJ, Mixmag just celebrated 10 years of The Lab, which is a, a show we do every Friday where we get a different DJ to come into our office and play. And we've been doing it for the last, we're well, coming into 10 years. And as a special 10 year anniversary event, we did the world's biggest back-to-back -back DJ stream where we had, uh, because obviously we're in COVID times, we can't have a big party. So we got each DJ to play uh, three tunes and then they, we, they, we mix them seamlessly from one location to the other. So you start with Carl Cox in Australia, then we cut to Seth Troxler in Thailand, and then we cut to where well, we started with House, went through Techno to Jungle. And as a five hour mix, it's seamless. Wow. And it's obviously a technological marvel that we did it because no one's ever thought of doing it before, but it was an incredible thing to do. So that, that went live on Mixmag's YouTube a month ago. And that's something that I'm listening to nonstop because it's five hours of great dance music. Yeah. And, for, you know, these 20 different DJs in 20 different settings. Um, so rather than re recommending one track or one DJ, I just encourage anyone that's into dance music to check out the, the Lab 10 Years Party on, on Mixmag's YouTube. And you can see a breadth of different new music and old music, new DJs, old DJs as well. So it's, it's, a, really, it's a really fun show to watch. That's awesome. That's Instead so of playing cool. a brief clip of a five-hour set, we'll just put a link to that in the, <laughs> in the show so you can find it because that sounds awesome. 
Um, well, Nick, thank you so much for spending uh, a long time with us talking about Daft Punk. You know, for like our show can really get away with, with, from us a little bit where we got together at 6.30 p.m. to do our discovery episode and left at after 1 a.m. And we we looked back and realized we talked about one record for over five hours. So thank you. We could get a little long-winded. Thank you for joining us and uh, um, having an awesome discussion about the, the two Frenchest robots in the world. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure chatting to uh, as nerdy people about Daft Punk as myself. <laughs> I, I really appreciate it coming on and um, looking forward to more episodes soon from you guys. Hello, everyone. I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random access memories, Daft Punk. There you go. Bless. There thank you, you so it. much to Nick for your time. And I, I can't thank you enough. That was a really, really cool thing. I, uh, it, it's, it's interesting. So, so I, I do the, the editing on the show and I was like, I, I, we carved out a little extra time, not knowing how this conversation was going to go in case we had to edit heavy or whatever. Uh, we did almost no editing whatsoever because, uh, he, he's one of us. Clearly, you could hear it. Uh, <laughs> he's one of the, us. The, the, I. It's Honestly, very that, funny how welcome a comparison to Da Vinci was in yeah. this group. Is yeah. the perfect place to do it. I would. Uh, I would. I would say that hopefully someday that we can be one of him. I want to be. I want to be Nick Stevenson when I grow up. Yeah, I would love to be Nick Stevenson when I grow up. Uh, uh, but and I yeah. want to be Leonardo da Vinci. <laughs> in, in all seriousness, um, uh, we were, you know, two months into this project. Uh, we've been fans of this kind of music and this culture and this lifestyle uh, um, for our lives, uh, but have never seriously considered um, talking and writing about it intelligently in a in a public facing way. The nice things he said about what we're doing are incredibly encouraging yeah. to us. And and whatever happens uh, in after the next several weeks, as we get closer and closer to the end of covering Daft Punk's career, uh, it, it's it's nice to know that that folks out there, especially somebody as uh, as talented and and smart and industrious as as Nick, have. Um, uh, have nice things to say about us yeah. and and um if 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 there's enough what it doesn't matter uh who who out there is enjoying the show uh we're gonna we're gonna find ways to keep this thing going in, in fun ways oh yeah I, I think uh it's 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 remarkable to put your heart into something and to care and, and do the work and then to have someone as awesome and as cool as Nick to come on the show want to be here and to to to, to be totally on board uh to 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 nerd out, to nerd out about Daft Punk. You know, this one was a little bit uh, light on, on on research but due to the nature of it, you know, but we thank still God. had a, yeah, thank God. Uh, uh, I have written 25,000 words about Daft Punk. I appreciated the week off. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, but you count it, repeats, though, like every time you say Daft and Punk, so that, yeah, that's yeah like, you got to take out most of the does. Yeah, most of the A's. The yeah, that's true. You I've really only wrote twenty six letters. Unique words. I've only space, written. I've only written twenty six unique letters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's a, there's some punctuation in there. I would assume. I don't. That would, that's computer. also assuming that there's a Z in there somewhere. Right. Yeah. No. I don't know. Who's to say? Who's to say? I mean, you would be, but who's to say? And who's to say? Uh, that um, yeah, there's not more of, of these types of in, uh, um, episodes coming uh, in the future. Um, we don't have anything like this lined up. 
but if you're um, out there and you have a relationship to dance music or you know this this stuff and and you'd like to talk you know send us an email we love hearing from people yeah uh it would be incredible to talk to artists and, and other people in this world who may or may not have direct relationships with that punk but have uh their heart in this this uh culture and in industry so we'll see we'll see we'll see um but yeah again one once again thank you nick for uh uh for sharing that time with us uh nick's contribution to the the song he's obsessed with you heard at the end of his interview uh was that incredible five hour set that they put together uh and you can find a link to that on our social medias uh because that um that's what an incredible achievement to like really weave all of that together all over the all over the world uh um and yeah like i said i'm not gonna pull a clip of a five-hour set We'll, we'll just provide a link to that uh um but Devin. Yeah. You. Yeah. For, you, have, you have a very special. For my tune this week, uh, I uh, am putting out, I'm, I'm putting out my own tune. I'm picking my own tune. It is out today on Spotify and iTunes and all that shit. You uh, hear that? Under the name Devin Jetski, D-E-V-I-N-J-E-T-S-K-I. Uh, yeah, it's a single I put out called Pull You In. It's like a lo-fi house tune. Um. I'm really excited about it. It's fun to put out music and I've got a bunch of other stuff coming down the pipeline and it's very, very exciting to have this first one out there as of today. Here we go. Got my own tune out. Pull you in from our very own Devin Jetski. I'm going to let you guys out there at home know we've been a little spoiled. Uh, I've had that song for almost a month now. <laughs> we, so uh, Devin's played it for us or clips for us or, uh, you know, filmed uh, filmed himself with his Ableton push, um, putting that together and, and letting us in on the process. Uh, um, a couple weeks ago, we went up north and, and Devin did a little DJ set for us and he mixed that in. And all uh, we were like, uh, Darren and I were like, I know this one. Where did I? Where do I know yeah, this? Where one? have I we love, heard this? I Who love played this, this song? Where did I hear this? Who played this? And he shouts from his his uh, mixer like, "This is mine! This is mine!" <laughs> and like, it, it was such an incredible moment because like, we we knew we knew this song and we were like ready. We were excited for it. And it would heard didn't remember quite like the name was on the tip of our tongue, and the name on the tip of that tongue was our buddies. Uh, it's yeah. such a groover, um, and it that, that like it it's been another fun thing. We're very close. You you might have been able to tell about that, but but what we've done together in the last six months is push each other to make stuff, and it's very cool to have a group of people um, who are like we're we're like each other's. We're bad influences, bad influences on each other in a we're good enabling way. Enabling each other, yeah. and some of the most positive. Yeah, we're, we're, we're incredibly <laughs> positive enablers. Um, uh, instead, we like somebody will say like, 
I, I want to start dabbling in music and we and we push each other to do it. I, I think it'd be fun to do a podcast about Daft Punk and we push each other to do it. Uh, and I, I don't know. There's fun, exciting stuff. Very coming cool. Along it's the very way. cool to see. Uh, I'm excited. I, I love that track. I'm excited to see more. Yeah, um, I'm very excited. I'm, uh, it, it took a long I've made music for years and years and years, but but this one it took a long time to kind of figure out what I was doing with some of the sounds. Getting this first one done and out there is really really exciting. But as soon as I had this set aside, it's like I had another group of things started. Yeah, and I've got yep. <coughs> we got a lot of stuff I'm really excited about, and it's yeah. fun to start putting it out. I'm really yeah. fired up. Glad to hear. It. So yeah, like I said, um, Devin yeah. Devin's been making music. Our buddy Darren here has been making his own music that we might be able to hear on the show pretty one soon. Day. One day. One day. You wait. You wait your turn. I I have been told my whole life that I uh, am not musical in any way whatsoever. Um, my, my eighth grade band teacher, halfway through the first semester of band, asked me if I wanted to take independent study, uh, to drop out of band and take independent study and get all my homework done in the middle of school. Because I was not good, and, and I I was told all uh, all all my life that I wasn't good at music. These two um, pushed me to to kind of screw around with this stuff, and I've been DJing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just recently, in the last couple of weeks, started DJing. So I think it is safe to say you're gonna hear some music from the boys behind your favorite dance music podcast. <laughs> I'm excited for it. Absolutely. Uh, so this week, I, you know what? I'm going to give uh, friend of the show, yeah. Jack Ward, uh, a little bit more love. You guys know I've, 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 uh, I've shouted out some, some dirty, some dirty bird. Releases. So this is, this was actually one of the reasons why he uh, reached out. He said, it's funny enough that you guys have talked so much about Claude Von Stroke. Favorite. One of my yeah, favorite. We DJs know. In the we know. Uh, because this, our friend, our our friend in Ireland who shared some of his music with us, he put out yeah. he got a he got a track on Dirty Bird. Yeah, on, on Dirty Bird Ten, uh, the song uh, the track is uh, Yogurt. We're so excited that you reached out to us. Um, and um, yeah, friend of the show. If you you could be a friend of the show too, if, you, if you're making music out there. Yeah. And if you're interested in being friends, are you, <laughs> are you interested in being friends with us? <laughs> uh, Andy, what do you got this week? I am going to go with a, n- <clears throat> a new track. Um, we've, in the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about piano house and old school stuff and getting into it i found this one this is kim k it's loving you a brand new track it's less than a year old um but it sounds uh it sounds so 90s so timeless this is called loving you I just I like, love I love I, how, how old school it sounds. It sounds um, 
That's like classic house. I think like this. We're. I feel like we're seeing it a lot lately. Like this and Prospa and like Ferric Dawn and stuff. Just doing this return to form of like throwback '90s club music. Yeah. And it's not like. I don't know. I love I love tech house so much, and that's a genre I spend a lot of time in. But it is very fun to do these full body, gigantic diva vocal like piano grooves. You know, yeah. it's it feels great. I love that sound so much. There's, there's a reason why it sticks in your head. There's something to say about, and we talked to Nick about um, about when Daft Punk like invested in the studio to bring out a new and fuller and richer and warmer sound with random access memories. Some of like this kind of stuff, it sounds alive in a way that some of the, some more recent stuff just doesn't. Cause it's just made on a, you know, that the, this the, like this techier stuff is, is my groove, but it can have a, a synthetic kind of coldness to it. And those gigantic singing vocals and, you know, like piano stabs and string stabs just sounds so good and warm. Yeah. Um, I'm loving it. Uh, if Devin is right and there is a, a push to making some more old school sounds in a new school way, I am all for it. Kim K, keep it going. It's Kim K, K A E Y is how you spell her last name. We were trying to find it. Um, but yeah, that's it for this week. What do we got next week? Um, we are going to continue in the discovery era. Um, we will be discussing in length Interstellar five, 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 five. It is anime week on the Daft Punk podcast and the early two thousands. This is very in my wheelhouse. I, um, I will say we're, we're recording some of our episodes a little bit in advance right now. Um, um, and I, I'll say right now, we've gotten some emails that I'm saving to discuss next week because they are interstellar specific and uh, timely in a way that uh, it will be exciting to talk about them next week. So awesome. Uh, um, this is this was this was next week. Huge entry point into a, a lot of Daft Punk fans into um, into Daft Punk was this movie. So I'm excited to get a chance to talk about it. Awesome. Uh, I am Andy. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Dr. Good Tweets, Dr. Good Tweets. Uh, I'm Darren. Uh, you can find me on, on all of the different social medias. Uh, I'm just at the most Darren, T-H-E-M-O-S-T-D-A-R-R-E-N. Uh, and you can also catch me scre- uh, streaming some uh, some video game content on DSG Gaming uh, on, on Facebook Gaming. Check me out over there. I play a lot of different stuff. Uh, I'm Devin Jetski, and you can find me on Spotify and Amazon and iTunes and Apple Music as Devin Jetski. Uh, give me a follow and like put that tune on your playlists and listen to it. That would really rock. Yeah. Um, we, uh, our podcast is on the planet ant podcast network. Um, we are, are three of the people that help that theater run. So, um, if you want to support local theater in, uh, in a city that you, you don't live in, <laughs> uh, go to planetant.com um, or planetant.com slash donate. And uh, and help us uh, help us out because um, there's some awesome cool stuff happening uh, at Planet Ant, and it's only going to get better as we uh, continue to be able to reopen. And or stuff. consider moving to Michigan. Or consider moving to Detroit, Detroit. specifically. Detroit uh, come, specifically. Yeah, come to Detroit. Come be it part rocks. of the new Detroit. The cost uh, of living in Michigan is incredible here. compared you, to wherever you're living. If you're <laughs> a big enough fan of 
dance music to have gotten this far into this episode fucking move to the home of techno it's techno and it's everywhere <laughs> it's, it's everywhere. everywhere and you can go anywhere we actually power it. our cars with it <laughs> uh we'll see you next week hello everyone alive 2021 is a member of the planet ant podcast network and was created by andy reed Developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit Alive2021.com.